Good morning. Pastor mentioned that I'm with Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina, and I'm the editor of Charity and Children. And some of you receive this, some of you may not. Uh, we send this out 11 months a year. It's free of charge. And uh, every issue is stories about how North Carolina Baptists are helping to uh, create an opportunity uh, for children. Uh, children that, for no blame of them, on themselves, find themselves in a situation where they can't live at home. Uh, they can't be a part of a family like we have here, many of the families here in, in, in Pitts Baptist Church. I encourage you that if you don't get charity and children, if you'll take a little, this is really high tech, just take a sheet of paper and tear it off and put your name and address on there and I'll be around, I'll linger and I hope that you'll bring that to me and let us send you charity and children. If you do that, uh, we'll also put you on the list for help for the, help for the journey. Uh, which is the newsletter for the North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry. Earlier this morning, I shared that uh, the North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry was actually created uh, by North Carolina Baptists. Uh, the convention got together and they said, we want to look at how we minister to aging adults today. Uh, aging adults are changing. Uh, if you think you know the face of an aging adult, uh, well, at Pitts Baptist Church, you might just very well know that. But a lot of folks have a misconception. They, they're working off of stereotypes about aging people. Uh, but in North Carolina Baptists found out through their research is that more and more aging adults are entering into their lives of, of being aging. Uh, they're more dynamic, uh, but they're also more frail. And so they came to us and said, basically, will you help found the North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry? There were two names in, in uh, the play for that. One was North Carolina Senior Adult Ministry. Now, that would be North Carolina Sam. I'm glad they chose North Carolina BAM. Because North Carolina BAM, North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry, is about something very exciting and very dynamic. We talked about the face of the aging. face of the aging today, first, it's growing. The aging population is busting out. Uh, the first baby boomer, uh, some of you may be familiar with, uh, became an aging adult last year. And now, every 10 seconds, a baby boomer becomes an aging adult 65 and over. That's phenomenal. Um, a lot of folks, if you're involved with social services or if you uh, read the newspapers, uh, there's this fear that goes along with that message that goes, what a burden it's going to place on our, uh, our communities, having so many aging people. But the good news is, just as much as it may create a situation in which there are more frail aging, uh, there are also going to be more well-aging adults. And those that were active in their communities and, and active in their churches are moving into their uh, prime time of their life, I like to say, into their aging period of their life, uh, and they're willing to be open to be used by God. It's a misconception to believe that an aging person, in fact, I, I remember <clears throat> growing up in a church, in a raw, small rural church in Louisiana, and we liked to take our aging adults as they became gray and they moved a little bit slower, and we would just kind of usher them over to a pew, and we would say, we sure do love you, and we would sit them down in a pew. Imagine if you're an aging adult today having someone do that to you. A more aging adults today or more mindset is to be retreaded than to, be, than to retire. Uh, it's an exciting time to become an aging adult, believe it or not. You know, a lot of times, especially when you're younger, you think about uh, aging as something you just want to avoid. But I'll tell you this, that God is using aging adults in very dynamic and positive ways. At Baptist Children's Homes, I was mentioning to Dr. Willis just a few minutes ago, about 65-70% of all of our volunteers are aging adults. 
Uh, when you think in terms of what's important to an aging adult that's a believer, they will tell you evangelism. They will tell you missions. They will tell you serving their church and their community. Being an aging adult today is a time in which individuals can be open to what God wants them to do and to be. It's exciting being an aging adult today. But it's an exciting time to be of service and to be open to what God would have us to do whatever age you are. This morning, we see our, our youth and we see our middle schools and we see our young married couples and we see our middle-aged and we see our aging today. Scripture today is going to reveal to us that God has a desire for us to work together. The sermon today, today is titled, We're Better Together, Ministering with Jesus. You know, the Scripture is phenomenal as it reveals to us our role as believers. I often think to myself, Jesus, why didn't I, when I accepted you and I understood you in fullness, why didn't I just get to go to heaven? Have you ever thought about that? You thought to yourself, well, that would be great, I guess. You know, but God has another plan. He has a plan in which we partner with him to do ministry. That's a very important part of the gospel. We see that over and over again, too. We see that in which God gives us a command to take part in something. A few minutes ago, uh, you heard the mention about the loaves and the fishes and the feeding of the 5,000. You know, it's very interesting to to note that the gospel reveals to us a Jesus that uh, had a lot of people come to him. Just imagine, just imagine hearing in your community today the things that they heard that Jesus was doing. It excited people. And in one situation, uh, they came to hear Jesus, and they ended up spending a long period of time, and Jesus began to be concerned about the needs of these individuals, and he said, you know, we need to feed these folks. And so the disciples said, well, well what do you want us to do? He said, well, go gather out whatever's, whatever's out there. Just, just go get it. And so they brought back, they shared with Jesus the task, and Jesus took these fishes and loaves, and he blessed them. Now, you're southern folk. What was happened with that at the end of it? They fed everybody and what? were leftovers. I mean, that's exciting. I mean, I often, that's a good case to say that Jesus was a southern-hearted person. You know, that's right. There are other instances in which we can see Jesus as being very, very popular. A lot of times when we think of Christ, we think of Christ as the, the crucified Christ, the scourged Christ, and we should. You know, this the Christ that hangs on the cross, that dies for our sins, that creates a, a, a plan for us to be redeemed to the Father. He's the bridge that that, that covers the space between sin and between what the Heavenly Father desires for us. But we also see in the Gospels that Jesus is, is, is very dynamic. People are talking about Jesus. The scripture that we're going to look at today is in chapter 2 of, of the book of Mark, verses 1 through 12. It's a very familiar uh, scripture. Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the very first scripture, it says that he entered back into Capernaum. This was Jesus' town. This was the center of his ministry. This was a community in which he had performed miracles before. You know, the message or the word of Jesus at this time was that Jesus was doing something different. He was transforming people's lives. The, the, the scriptures teach us that that people would come every time Jesus would stop. Many times as we see in scripture, why didn't Jesus pray in the daytime? Why didn't Jesus go at noontime? Because there were people around him all the time. And so scripture tells us that he went at night when everybody had gone home to bed just to spend time with the Father. 
Scripture tells us in other passages that there were so many people who would come to hear him that there were times in which uh, he had to even kind of remove himself. Scripture says that uh, this crowd, crowd amassed and, and they were forcing him to the, to the edge of the water and he literally got out into a boat so that he could uh, preach and continue teaching. The story of uh, the fishes and loaves, I think the miraculous thing, of course, is, is the small amount of food that Jesus breaks. But the Scripture also says how many people there were fed. There were 50,000 men that were fed. The numbers are immense. Jesus is very, very popular at this time. People know that if Jesus is in their presence, that something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. You know, Jesus was at this time, folks, he could be considered very much like a superstar. I think of one time in which he came and he was preaching and the parents came to bring children to him and his disciples who had transformed their roles, they'd been crowd, they became crowd control people. And the, these, these young families brought their children to him and he said, look, these disciples kind of pushed, buffered them away. and said, you know, Jesus is too busy. He's famous. He's a celebrity. At this time that we see in chapter 2, it said that he came back to Capernaum and he entered into a house. And straight away many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now we're going to talk this morning, looking at Scripture, about a wonderful thing. We talked about it a few minutes ago, how Jesus, how God desires us to play a role in ministry. Together we're better. We do not minister for Jesus, we minister with Jesus. This last weekend, uh, we had a, a great, not, not this weekend, but the weekend before, uh, Operation In As Much. And Baptist men in North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry, in conjunction with Operation In As Much, produced an event called Ramping Up. If you don't know it, there were three ramps built by men of this church. Now, are any of the men here that helped build on those ramps? Pastor, there's a hand back here. 327 ramps were built in a single day. Nearly 3,000 North Carolina Baptists, all their attention was focused on freeing aging people trapped in their homes. In a press release that we put out this week, it says, North Carolina Baptists declare early Independence Day. Because literally, individuals can be trapped from coming out of their home, frail aging individuals, a step or two steps. I saw ramps built from photographs that were huge. Some of them, you know, they went down this way and they had a turn thing and they went back this way and they kept going forever. And then there were ramps that literally just went from about this far out of a house, about 15 to 20 feet. But that one step was as detrimental to that person's well-being and keeping them from their churches and their communities and, and things to make them feel more independent and, and vital as the big ramp. It was exciting to see God move through his people. The first thing that we want to look at in this scripture is that Jesus wants to touch and change people's lives. If you're an individual here today, no matter what age you are, hear my words. Jesus wants to change your life for the better. If you know him, he wants to change your life. If you don't know him, he wants to change your life. Jesus wants to transform us into something that's beautiful and acceptable to his Father. And we look at this scripture and we see Jesus came to a house and he became available. The next thing we see is um, 
The next scripture says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Earlier service, um, the pastor said, Ministry can be messy. You know, when you minister to someone, it costs something. And here you see four individuals. It doesn't specify what age they are. So whatever age you are today, this scripture, this message is for you. Those four could have been 17-year-old boys or 17-year-old young ladies. They could have been middle-aged people. And aging adults, they could have been 70-year-old men or women. Four of them who loved their friend. How important is your friends to you? How important is it those that live next to you, your next-door neighbors, those that you go to school with, those that you work with in the workplace? Those are your friends. And these four had a friend that they wanted to bring into the presence of Jesus. Remember, there was one who wanted to be so close to Jesus that she literally got down on her hands and knees and crawled in a crowd of people just so she could touch his garment. These four people loved their friend, and they carried their friend on a pallet because the person was incapable. You know, a lost person, in many ways, is incapable of coming to Jesus if it's not for us. A lost person does not understand what Jesus can do in their lives. Why should they come running to Jesus? I think all lost people feel an emptiness in them, They don't know what that emptiness is. But it's up to us to help bring them into the presence of Jesus. So they brought their friend who was incapable of bringing himself and they brought him to this house. And you can imagine what happened. They got close and they saw a house that wasn't just maybe, you know, a lot of noise happening inside. They were at a distance and they saw a crowd of people. Can you imagine? There were probably people forced up against the window. There were probably rows and rows of people back. And you could have probably, if you got close enough, heard them say, well, what did he say? What did Jesus say? And somebody would have leaned back and said, I think he said something about this. People needed Jesus and they wanted to be in his presence. And these friends stopped and they looked at each other and they looked at the, 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 the pallet that they were carrying And they were, I think they probably had a moment here of of despair. You know, those of us that that had less zealous people than these would have looked at their watch and probably said, well, we'll go back next time Jesus comes to town. And they would have taken him home. But these fellows looked and they said, even though it looks impossible, I think we'll send Joe here. Joe, go on up there and see if there's any way that we can bring our friend in the presence of Jesus. And so he went and he walked around the building and he listened to the people uh, as they were talking. And he could overhear even perhaps Jesus' voice. And he walked all around the building and he came back to his friends and he said, You know, I think we're right. It's impossible. One of them said, It can't be impossible. And Joe looked at him and said, Well, there's one way. But it's going to be extreme. It's going to take all of us really pulling together. Let me tell you how we can do it. I noticed on the back side of the building there's an alleyway. 
And it's a narrow alleyway, so if we bring our friend that way, we're going to have to take that pallet and we're going to have to lift it up over our heads. Have you ever lifted up something really heavy and kept it there? Your arms start to shake. It was going to cost these individuals something as they brought their friend to Jesus. And they said, when we do that, we'll come to the back of the building. And along the back of the building, there's this real steep stairway. And I have no idea, Joe said, on how we're going to be able to get that pallet up to the roof. But we've got to do it. Because the secret is that we get them to the roof. So they agreed to go along with Joe's plan. And they carried their friend. And they went through the alley. And they got up the steps. And their friend was kind of scared. But he trusted those that brought him. And they navigated that pallet up to the roof. And on the roof, they looked at Joe and said, well, what's next? What does Scripture say? It says they made a hole. Now, you understand, these guys didn't have carpenter's belts. They didn't expect to have them. They didn't expect to need them. There was no power saws. Uh, there was no hammers, even. Uh, there was nothing. So they looked around, and they found maybe some uh, poles, uh, maybe some chart, breaking pieces of ceramic uh, clay, and they began on their hands and knees, and they began to break up the mud on the house. To bring people into Jesus' presence takes radical action sometimes. It takes a huge commitment. Jesus waits. He's ready to change people's lives. And it's up to us to bring those that don't know him or that cannot come to him in any other way, whether it's a child at Baptist Children's Homes or whether it's an individual who is having a ramp built for them. I gave you some numbers a few minutes ago. 327 ramps, nearly 3,000 volunteers. We had six decisions for Christ. At Baptist Children's Homes, we have a lot of people who love the Lord and lovingly try to provide for children and families. But the most exciting people, and I love all of them, but the most exciting people that I love to be around the most are the child care workers. Man, it was tough for me sometimes to be around my four children, and they went to bed, and I could go into another room and everything else. These folks live seven days a week, 24 hours a day, with children who are unruly sometimes. They're hurt. They lash out. Their idea of a heavenly father, well, they have no concept of what a heavenly father is because they've never met a human man that's ever treated them with kindness. And you have these cottage fathers who work literally weeks, months to help soften their hearts because what they know is that the work they do could literally help usher a child into a saving knowledge of Christ. I preach in churches sometimes, and I'll preach about uh, uh, a heart for children. And, I, you know, North Carolina Baptists have a heart for children. I believe that. And I, I, I share with churches, and I tell them, you play a vital role in every child's life in this church. You say, well, I don't, I don't teach Sunday school. I, don't, I understand. You, as an adult in this church, play a very vital role in every young person, teenager's life in this church. And you could say to yourself, well, I don't go on youth trips. Well, that may be right. When my children were little, they would bust into church. And they'd love to go see that one older gentleman that sat right over here. 
Now, you know what he had in his pocket? Candy. That's right. But what he had in his heart was he was saying, I'm expecting you every Sunday. I have a place for you in my heart every Sunday. You come into this church and look for me because I'm going to be looking for you. And to prove that, I've got candy for you. A child comes to know Christ, it may be by the pastor's preaching, but understand every person in this church has helped usher that child into the presence of Christ. Those child care workers, North Carolina Baptists, the members of Pitts Baptist Church, invest themselves in sharing Christ because of the eternal rewards to it. What we invest in our children is because we understand that if they come to know Jesus their life will never be the same again. So these men got up to the top of the roof and they began to break away. They're radical. They're thinking, I mean, it doesn't have to be way out weird stuff. This is just radical. They're taking their hands and they're breaking apart clay and they're tearing apart uh, limbs and branches that hold the clay together. Now, you can imagine what's happening downstairs. You know, things were clipping along. Jesus was preaching. He was teaching, Scripture says. And uh, all of a sudden, they start having just a little bit of trickle of, of dust. You know. And then in a few minutes, they have larger chunks of the ceiling that starts dropping down. And perhaps because the men were sensitive to where they were dip, building the hole, it might even have been right over where Jesus was standing. And Jesus would have gotten out of the way. And before long, daylight would have broken And somehow they got a hole big enough for a pallet to go through. And those that were there in Jesus' presence, they saw what had happened, so they pulled together some chairs. Maybe there was a table that some of them climbed on, and they reached up. And they lowered into the other people's hands their friends, and they laid him in front of Jesus. And Scripture says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. It was a great thing. I was so excited to hear that we had reached our goal of at least 300. That's what we wanted. Three ramps for every county. 300 wheelchair ramps that would be built. That was exciting. It was trumped when we began to hear that there were lives that were changed and there were individuals who came to know Christ. Jesus was moved. You know, a lot of times we think to ourselves that, uh, you know, we're just going to focus on the lost. We're going to focus on the lost. And, and, and that's, that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's not our number one priority and focus. But Jesus saw the people's faith and he was moved. It must be great for Jesus to see people who believe that if they only get someone into the, the Jesus' presence or into God's presence, that their lives would be changed. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Jesus was moved because these individuals believed that he could change that, 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 that sick person's life. You want to become a more dynamic church. You want to become a more dynamic believer. You want to become a more dynamic group of people. You start believing that if you can bring people into Jesus' presence, their life will be changed. Because when that happens, 
I think this scripture says Jesus is overjoyed. If I can be so bold, he'd probably look at you and say, I'm proud of you. Good job. And then Jesus did the most important thing. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. I understand there are a lot of physical needs in the world today. But this world is temporary. Jesus took care of the greatest need in that individual's life was that he gave him eternal life. And there were those around him that began to kind of snicker and they'd heard this had happened before where Jesus' focus was a God focus, a God thing. And everybody else was focused on the world or whatever. And they began to question him. He said, okay, okay, I understand. I understand. What do you think? It's easier to forgive a person's sin or to let someone walk? So what he did is he said, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man sick with palsy, arise and take up your bed. And go thy way unto thine house. And the final thing in this is we apply it to our own life. God calls us to be used by him. To be open to be used by him. I don't care what, old, how, what age you are. You know, if you're a young person today and you're here today, God wants to use you in your community, in your church. If you're a middle-aged person, God wants to use you to transform people's lives. If you're an aging person, God wants to use you to transform people's lives. And for what purpose? Well, certainly so that person can know Christ and, and, and live eternally. But at the very bar, last part of the scripture, verse 12, it says, Insomuch that they were all amazed and they glorified God. We are to minister to those around us, we are to transform people's lives by bringing them into the presence of Jesus. Why? Because we love God. We are to glorify God. The scripture is so powerful, and as we think about aging adults today, as we think about seniors in our midst today, let no man... I used to preach this sermon when I was a youth minister. I said, let no man despise your youth. If you're a young person here today, God can use your life to transform other people's lives. Scripture says that. If you're an aging person here today, 70 years old, 75, 80 years old, God can use you to transform people's lives. He's not a respecter of age. What God looks at in all of our lives, whether we're in junior high school or whether we're, we're going into aging or whether we're trying to raise our family or whether we're involved in ministry, He just seeks to be, find us who are willing to be open to share Him with other people, to transform people's lives. You understand those friends with the four palsy. I said this earlier, but let me say it again. Those people could have been any of you and three other friends. God requires us to participate with him in ministry. You will continue to thrive as a church as you, as you continue to open up your lives and your hearts to be used by God. And understand, it is not something just for the young. It is for the aging as well. And I say that boldly not because I'm prophetic. I say it because I see in aging people's lives all across this state them doing open, dynamic, wonderful ministry. I get to just share it 
with other people. That God is at work in aging adults' lives. As we look at this this morning, let me just share with you this too. God is open for all of us to accept Him as our personal saviors. A lot of times as aging adults, there are people around us that think, we've just got everything together. You know, sometimes in our churches, in fact, there are aging adults who do not know Jesus in a personal way. I would be amiss today if we did not at least give you an opportunity, no matter what age you are, to accept Christ as your personal Savior. I'm going to yield the service over to your pastor. Thank you for allowing me to come today.